0: Well, good evening. We once more begin our uh, meditation upon sacred scripture through uh, the through Lectio Divina, the divine reading. And today, uh, this this evening, we'll be meditating upon uh, two, two psalms, Psalm 15 and Psalm 112. I'll be using the translation, the Grail Psalms, the older Grail translation. It's the one that's used in the breviary, And I'm using the, the, the book has got big print of the, the Grail uh, Psalms found in the Abbey Psalter from the, uh, from the Genesee Abbey uh, in the United States. And so these two Psalms are, are very important. Uh, what they do, they speak to us of what it means to live an honorable life. And I think that's very important as the years go by and I've looked upon and experienced different things in life, I've more and more become aware of the importance of living a a life of integrity. All of us are, are tempted to twisting and turning and hiding and bobbing and weaving and all the rest in our lives. But in this world, we have to be able to live honorably, to keep our word, to speak the truth, to be people who can be trusted. I think one of the greatest difficulties we face in our civil society, and certainly in the church, is the lack of trust. And You can't just create trust. It happens we lose trust when people live dishonorably, when you cannot rely on their words, that what they say is what they will do. They do not keep their promises or they act in one way and live in a different way and speak in a different way. Even way back in the uh, 500 years ago, one of my great heroes, St. Charles Borromeo said to the priests, "Uh, don't be preaching all kinds of nice things if you're not living in a way that lives up to them. The people will notice and so it is. So we need to, all of us, I think this is true for everyone. We need to, to say what we mean and mean what we say we need to be dependable. I think this is one of the, the great things, especially for children. They, they need to be able to depend on their mother and their father. They need to rely on them because in this dangerous world, they're very vulnerable. We need to be able to depend on our leaders. And when we don't, it causes great harm in the community. We just need to live honorably with integrity. I've. Become more and more conscious of that in well, recent weeks. I've been reading a book about uh, the type of challenges we face, and I've seen, seen them in our own society. It's a book by uh, Rod Dreyer called uh, Live Not by Lies. And it speaks of uh, the experiences of Christians living under the hard totalitarianism of the communist era many years ago now where they were called upon to to deny their faith, not only by denying Jesus directly, but they were called to profess if they were going to get ahead in life, to cheer on things that they didn't really believe in. And so it took a a real act of integrity for someone to say, No, I don't believe that. I'm not going to I'm not going to say that. And that's exactly what's happening now. We don't have The famous things you see in the stories of uh, concentration camps and things of that nature, that's not what we find, at least around here. But we do find a lot of pressure on people to not live honorably, to proclaim under pressure things they do not believe, to follow the crowd, to beat the drum and to to be pressured into something that is not deeply held within them to use language in a way that is false. So for many reasons, I think we need this. And Psalm 15 and Psalm 112 are really important. So let's begin our time of prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit upon us that we may listen attentively to these words of sacred scripture, that they may speak to our head, that we may know them, our heart, that through them we may love you, and our hands, so that they may affect us as we act and as we live. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Take away from our hearts, all those distractions that so fill us. So prevent us from hearing others around us. So full are we of ourselves and prevent us from hearing you, O Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Speak Lord, your servant is listening. Psalm 15, Lord, who shall be admitted to your tent and dwell on your holy mountain? He who walks without fault, he who acts with justice and speaks the truth from his heart. He who does not slander with his tongue. He who does no wrong to his brother, who casts no slur on his neighbor who holds the godless in disdain, but honors those who fear the Lord. He who keeps his pledge, come what may, and takes no interest on a loan, and accepts no bribes against the innocent, such a man will stand firm forever. Psalm 112. Happy the man who fears the Lord, who takes delight in all his commands. His sons will be powerful on earth. The children of the upright are blessed. Riches and wealth are in his house and his justice stands firm forever. He is a light in the darkness for the upright. He is generous, merciful, and just. The good man takes pity and lends. He conducts his affairs with honor. The just man will never waver. He will be remembered forever. He has no fear of evil news. With a firm heart, he trusts in the Lord. With a steadfast heart, he will not fear. He will see the downfall of his foes. Open handed, he gives to the poor. His justice stands firm forever. His head will be raised in glory. The wicked man sees and is angry. He grinds his teeth and fades away. The desire of the wicked leads to doom. Psalm 15. Lord, who shall be admitted to your tent and dwell on your holy mountain? This is the question that begins this Psalm as we think of those who come close into the presence of the Lord, those who are to be admitted to the tent, the tent of God's presence. As we see in the Old Testament in the desert, where the Lord came to dwell among his people as he traveled with them, guiding them through the desert from the struggles and the slavery in Egypt on to the promised land. And we see that as well as in the holy temple the temple where Isaiah saw the vision of the glory of God as he began his life of prophecy, the temple in which the Lord comes to dwell amongst his people. So who shall be admitted to this sacred place and dwell on your holy mountain? We would think it would mean well, somebody who was richly pure or followed the liturgical laws or things like that. We hear about a lot in the Old Testament. But no, not at all. It's the one who lives an honourable life. The liturgy calls for action in life. That's why in the celebration of the Holy Eucharist, we celebrate the glories of the liturgy here. But the last word is go and live an honourable life out there and then come back. And we ask God's mercy as we begin. We hear the words of life. We receive the Lord himself and then we're sent back out to live rightly in our daily life. We cannot be limited to our liturgical experience of God, but we need to move outward and show the authenticity of our faith and love for God through the way in which we serve other people. As St. John says, how can I love the God I do not see? if I do not love my neighbor who I do see. So who shall be admitted to your tent and dwell in your holy mountain? Well, now we find out. He who walks without fault, he who acts with justice and speaks the truth from his heart, he who does not slander with his tongue. These are verbs here, actions. We have to walk the talk as they say. And in the ancient times in the Hebrew tradition, the walk, uh, the the halakh, it's to, to walk, to travel, to, it's what, to go, the path. It's what we see in the Christian tradition. They called our faith in Christ the way, the way we walk, the way we go, the path we follow. He who walks without fault, he who walks, whose life, whose behavior is complete, He who is a person of integrity. Really it's, that's what it means. He who walks without fault. He who is a person of integrity. Not a fractions, but integers. Not a little bit here for me, a little bit there for you and are all broken up into little pieces. Oh, what a mess we're in. Oh, what a crazy world we live in. And we experience that so much in this world, so confused. We must be whole. We must be integers. We must have integrity. He who behaves with integrity. He who walks without fault. He who acts with justice. Not always being out for number one, but who says, what is right? Oh, what a problem we have in the church and in society and our lives when we have no guiding star. When we we have no principles to guide us. When you have anyone in a family or in society, in a country who who just goes back and forth and back and forth according to the breeze as the wind, who is like a flag that flutters in every breeze. That person will not act with justice. That person just is blown around. I think it was Churchill or someone who said that it's not a very good sign of leadership to have your ear to the ground and your finger to the wind. We must know what is right and what is wrong. That's why in our society we have a a therapeutic moral deism. We have a kind of vague belief in God and we all got to feel kind of good. And that's sort of what life is supposed to be all about. But no, there are principles. There's... There's right, there's wrong. We need to know that, you know, it's just so obvious and so unseen. So he who acts with justice, who asks, what is right? Now, we may be mistaken in our understanding of right. We're all very frail. But the very least we need to do is say, what is right? And it can't be just with an unformed conscience. Conscience means with knowledge. We have to think it through, look at what guides us. What is just? We need to use our reason, guided by faith and reason, to know he who walks with integrity without fault, he who acts with justice and speaks the truth from his heart. Oh, don't we want that? If we can only do that ourselves, say what we mean and mean what we say, speaks the truth from his heart. That's why maybe uh, St. Francis de Sales said that the greatest thing in preaching is not, you know, the lips speak to the ears, but heart speaks to heart. We want to often, we speak, we say, we're gonna have a heart-to-heart talk. Well, let's do that. This <laughs> speaks the truth from his heart. Now, not using the truth to hit somebody with, because we, we have to have a certain compassion in our way we do that. And we have to be able to look in the mirror and speak the truth to the guy in the mirror. But we need to do that. That's one of the great benefits of the Sacrament of Confession. We can get to know a bit, the truth more about ourselves. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. That's a good starting point. And who does not slander with his tongue. You know, St. James, a wonderful letter of James. It, it speaks of how the tongue, you know, is It's like a little flame that can set a forest on fire. It's like a little rudder that can steer a ship, but it's like a flame that can destroy a forest. Who does not slander with his tongue. Boy, I wonder what social media would make of that. There's so much, and I think we can slander with our tongue and we can slander by pushing the send button very easily when we are distanced from the people we're talking with. That's very easy because they're abstract. We can say ferocious things in emails that we would never say to the person face to face. And we can do that all the time. I know we're all guilty of it. I know it's a great temptation. I think St. Augustine had a sign on his table, the little community he lived with. Leave this table if you're going to talk about someone who isn't present. That might be a good bit of advice. So let's just reflect upon that in our lives. Let's not reflect upon the lives of others. It's always clearer in other people. We see all the sins all around us. Let's reflect in our own lives. Lord, who shall be admitted to your tent and dwell on your holy mountain? He who walks without fault. Who he who who walks with integrity. He who walks, who acts with justice and speaks the truth from his heart. He who does not slander with his tongue. Lord, forgive me for the times I have not acted this way. How can I do better? He who does no wrong to his brother, who casts no slur on his neighbor, who holds the godless in disdain, but honors those who fear the Lord. He who does no wrong to his brother, casts no slur on his neighbor. We need to live rightly with the people around us, be good neighbors. That's why um, Chesterton, I think said, God tells us to love our enemies and love our neighbors. That's because they're usually the same people. Who holds the godless in disdain. That seems a bit harsh, doesn't it? But it means, look, we look at somebody who is not living rightly. We shouldn't live that way. We should, you know, watch out, learn, don't, uh, let's not imitate that. Some people are acting in ways that are appalling and we shouldn't condemn them and it's not for me Justice belongs to the Lord. Well, we should uh, cast a good look at that and say, I think not. I'm not gonna go that way. But who honors those who fear the Lord? That's what we need to do. My favorite line, one of the favorite lines in scripture. He who keeps his pledge, come what may. He who keeps his pledge, his word is bond his bond, he who keeps his pledge, come what may. And in the, the Hebrew, it kind of gives the idea that he who sort of puts himself in a bad position, which he could have a promise that really has kind of gone sour, and he get out of it, that'd be good, you know, sneak out of it, but he doesn't. He sticks to it even if it's a bad deal because he said he would. Isn't that something? He keeps his pledge, he keeps his word, Come what may, we don't start maneuvering and manipulating because you know things have turned out a little differently. So let's all just adjust. No, (laughs) let's keep moving. This is like I think it was one of the people in the Adventures of Old when he landed on the shore. The troops were all mutinying, so he burned the ships and said, "Let's move on." Something definitive there. He keeps his pledge. And there's some I remember a wealthy family. And they're businessmen and they're famous for that. They just don't sign contracts and things. They say, I will pay you this. They set the amount. If conditions change and it becomes a problem for them, they could have gotten away with, because there's no contract to prove it, uh, you know, with uh, sneaking out of that bad deal they made. No, nope. they said they'd pay it. They pay it. And, you know, over time, if it becomes known that you're that kind of person, that you keep your pledge, come what may, then that's an enormously good thing. And I think that's what we need to do and think as well in our responsibility for others. Our pledges are the things that call us beyond ourselves. Our pledge, it can be baptism, confirmation. It is marriage, religious profession, ordination. We make a whole bunch of pledges at ordination. Are you resolved? Are you resolved? Are you resolved? Yes, 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 yes. The words come out. There they are. The pledge. He keeps his pledge, come what may. And we say in Little Prayer, may God, who's begun the good work in you, bring it to fulfillment, because we know how much pressure there is in life. Oh, things are a little different now. Mm, can't I kind of have a you know elastic pledge that sort of like you know they have these. Uh, um, Things to measure fish, you know. You want to make it kind of bigger, smaller. No, we don't. We don't want that. It is what it is. We need that a lot. And I think nothing breaks trust so much when someone has pledged their honor and their word, and they don't follow through. That should also tell us: don't make a lot of promises. And keep them. And we often don't. So we need to do it who takes no interest on a loan and accepts no bribes against the innocent, such a man will stand firm forever. That's what we need. That's what we need. I think, I think of this, just what comes to mind now uh, in this famous story of Edward the and George the There's two different people. Think of good old King George the who was not anyway, prepared to be king and was filled with fear and all kinds of inadequacies. But he was anointed king. He pledged to serve and he did right through World War II and beyond he, he did. Even not because he was really good at it or anything or he thought what people wanted in those darkest hours is a person who kept his word. That's inspiring. And I think it's something we see in his daughter as well. I remember she, she said when she was 21, I think, whatever my life may be long or short, I will devote it to the service of the people. Boy, that's impressive. I think she's, uh, what is she, 94 or three or four from now? She keeps her pledge, come what may, That's impressive. Well, Psalm 112 builds up on this a little bit, and it comes to a different angle on the person who is honorable, reliable, someone you can trust. It's the kind of person we all want to be, and Lord have mercy, we know we're often not. Happy the man who fears the Lord, who takes delight in all his commands. His sons will be powerful on Earth. The children of the upright are blessed. This is the same word as we find blessed, happy, full, uh, most, I don't know, in good condition, good things happening, right, um, fortunate to be that way. It's the same as the very first Psalm. You know, happy, the one who follows the way of the Lord. And it is, of course, the same term, the same idea we find in the Beatitudes. So this is kind of like a form of the Beatitudes. And what do we need in such a person who fears the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And as we say in the uh, description of the virtue of the fear of the Lord, it's wonder and awe in his presence. It doesn't mean we're afraid of God. That's not the point. It's takes God seriously. Fear of the Lord means My Lord and my God, who does not think he's a buddy with God, but when God speaks, we listen. Happy the man who fears the Lord, and we know that this is almost like a wisdom psalm in the wisdom writings of the Old Testament, which we should read. We're all we need a wisdom boy. Um, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To recognize God is God, and I am not, and I better live accordingly. We all have to realize that the Lord is in charge. He who delights, takes delight in all his commands. It's like it says in the Psalm, you know, the the word of the Lord, the law of the Lord is sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. The law of God is delight. It is delight and it is delight. Uh, If I may pun a little bit, who takes delight in all his commands. He doesn't obey God because we have to. No, no, no who takes delight in all his commands. And what, in this society particularly, his sons will be powerful on earth. The children of the upright are blessed. Riches and wealth are in his house, but justice stands, his justice stands firm forever. Now we know that doesn't always happen. And that's why we have the book of Job. And also why we have some other Psalms. So this is one picture of that. One can live a life of utter uprightness and not end up with riches and wealth. Well, think of our Lord Jesus on the cross, for example. That's why a kind of a prosperity gospel has got it wrong. And that's why, although there's a lot of truth in the book of Deuteronomy, there's a kind of a way it can be distorted to say, serve God, you get rich, don't serve God, you get poor, therefore serve God. That's not the way it is. But it is a way of praising and thanking and highlighting the one. And we just need to be sure we also read the book of Job. You know, his justice stands firm forever. He is a light in the darkness for the upright. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? It's really impressive when you see the kind of person described in Psalm 15 or when we meet people like that and we see them all the time. He is a light in the darkness for the upright. We, we need people like that who are inspirations. That's why we canonize people. He is generous, merciful, and just. You don't have to be one or the other. Generous, merciful, and just. Uh, you know, they have, you can have both. It, it, to avoid sin, the way to avoid sin is not to say it isn't there. It's to ask God's forgiveness and then try to re- re- lead a, a good life. The good man takes pity and lends. He conducts his affairs with honor. He lives according to the other psalm, Psalm 15. He lives, conducts his affairs with honor. He keeps his word come what may. He says what he will do and he does what he has said. The just man will never waver. He will be remembered forever. And if we lead this kind of life and whatever happens, whatever our tomorrows be, good or ill, we'll triumph through our sorrows and rise to bless God still because we are living honorably. He has no fear of evil news. With a firm heart, he trusts in the Lord. Pope John the 23rd said, well, Lord, it's your church. You take care of it. I'm going to bed. That's good to have in the head. It's better if you can have it in the heart. And I wish I could kind of get near that. He has no fear of evil news with a firm heart. He trusts in the Lord. Oh, we need that. Worry, cares. I know I often worry about things and that it it affects the present. Really, it could be like very real in the present, and then the thing you worry about never happened, didn't happen. So why did you waste time in the present about something that didn't happen? We've got to watch to confide the future to God's providence, the past to God's mercy, and live each day one day at a time., well, you know? With a firm heart he trusts in the Lord. With a steadfast heart he will not fear, he will see the downfall of his foes. That's the kind of serenity we all need. And I think sometimes, you know, a few strategies to help in that. First of all, spend time every day in prayer so we can trust in the Lord and then turn off the social media. And like I've been trying more more lately, you see a lot of stuff, it just gets you all revved up. And I think I can't do anything about that. All it's doing is getting me all stirred up and angry and frustrated and worrying. I can't do anything about it. It's way beyond, beyond me. It's just doing, making it impossible for me to do what I can do to make things better. So how about just fast from that stuff? Open handed, he gives to the poor. His justice stands firm forever. His head will be raised in glory. The wicked man sees and is angry. Grinds his teeth and fades away. The desire of the wicked leads to doom. Here we see the two ways that we find at the beginning of the book of Psalms. So we should meditate upon this. But I have a little treat, and that is this this uh, nicely battered book, good sign. Is a thing I've had since I was a young lad. It is the Psalms, from uh, translated by the great Ronald Knox, Ronnie Knox. It's written in very small print, so I will put aside my bifocals and put on my reading glasses. And Ronald Knox was a very great, great man, and uh, he was brilliant and kind and loving, and he got you know into Oxford and uh, Eton and Oxford and all those great schools his father got him in by saying well he's translating Greek at the age of five or something like that you know but he was a very he was a very holy man and he wrote he kept himself kept the chaplaincy at the University of Oxford afloat by writing detective stories that's it but one of the things he did is he translated the Bible single-handedly now it was the Latin Bible the Vulgate he did that just before we began to emphasize going back to the original Greek and Hebrew. But, you know, he has this great style, especially if you read his translation of the Song of Songs and the Greek, he's really good at Greek. And so even though he was translating the Latin, he was uh, um, the Greek of the New Testament, he's he's very good. But this is a treat. You can't, in the Hebrew, so you can remember Psalm 112, every verse begins with a different letter of the alphabet. Uh, So Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Dallas, you know, it's all the Hebrew letters, the 22 Hebrew letters, the alphabet. So you, every verse begins with it. So you just remember it, hang it on the alphabet, and you can remember the Psalm. Now, most translations, this translation doesn't try to do that, but good old Runny Knox does. So here's a, a rendition of Psalm 112. And notice every line begins with the next letter of the alphabet. So it's sort of like what actually happens in the Hebrew original. So here we go. A blessed man is he who fears the Lord, bearing great love to his commandments. Children of his shall win renown in their country. Do right and thy son shall find a blessing Ease shall dwell in his house in great prosperity. Fame shall ever record his bounty. Good men see a light dawn of the darkness. His light who is merciful, kind and faithful. Where are we going? His merciful, good, kind and faithful. It goes well with the men, with the man who lends in pity just and merciful in his dealings, length of days shall leave him still unshaken. Men will remember the just forever. No fear shall be he have of evil tidings. On the Lord his hope is fixed unchangeably, patient his heart remains steadfast. Quietly he waits for the downfall of his enemies. Rich are his alms for the needy, Still his bounty abides in memory. The Lord will lift up his head in triumph. Ungodly men are ill content to see it. Vainly they gnash their teeth in envy. Worldly hopes must fade and perish. At that point, he um, ran out of letters and I don't know whether he would say um, zebras are good and so is the Lord, but it's a remarkable accomplishment. and. Uh, not exactly what we normally have in translations. So, Psalm 15 and Psalm 112, they speak to us and we need them. In a world of a lot of twisting and lack of trust, we need this to live with integrity, to be honorable, to seek what is just and to do it, to follow a path that is straight and narrow, to be reliable, to act rightly. Psalm 15. Lord, who shall be admitted to your tent and dwell on your holy mountain? he who walks without fault, he who acts with justice and speaks the truth from his heart, he who does not slander with his tongue, he who does no wrong to his brother, who casts no slur on his neighbour, who holds the godless in disdain, but honours those who fear the Lord, he who keeps his pledge, come what may, who takes no interest on a loan and accepts no bribes against the innocent, such a man will stand firm forever. Psalm 112. Happy the man who fears the Lord, who takes delight in all his commands. His sons will be powerful on earth. The children of the upright are blessed. Riches and wealth are in his house. His justice stands firm forever. He is a light in the darkness for the upright. He is generous, merciful, and just. The good man takes pity and lends. He conducts his affairs with honor. The just man will never waver. He will be remembered forever. He has no fear of evil news. With a firm heart, he trusts in the Lord. With a steadfast heart, he will not fear. He will see the downfall of his foes. Open handed, he gives to the poor. His justice stands firm forever his head will be raised in glory. The wicked man sees and is angry, grinds his teeth and fades away. The desire of the wicked leads to doom. Our father who art in heaven,